So have you ever thought about wanting to start your own business or try something different, step out, take some risks and ultimately try and make more money? Well, today I want to do something that I've actually never, ever, ever done before on this podcast and that's play a podcast episode or an interview that was on the This Is Investing podcast that Nick Bradley hosts. Now, a couple of reasons why I want to do this. Number one, I thought it was a genuinely interesting episode. I was encouraged, I was inspired. And secondly, Nick's audience is only about 10% of the size of this main show. So it's not gonna be too much of an overlap. The final thing is, after this episode is played, I'm going to chat with Nick because I've got some stuff that I want to discuss about this episode and the interview that he did with Noah and it's going to be fun. I want you to listen out to some of the cultural differences around talking about money. Some of the stuff Noah was saying in this episode, he would be crucified here in Australia if he was going around saying, oh, I earn $2 million a year, like I'm going for it. I mean, that is suicide in our culture. But I just want you to have a listen from an outsider's perspective. In the American culture, it is totally normal to be proud of what you built, to be confident in what you're doing. And ultimately, he's helping a lot of people with the stuff that he's doing. We can't do this episode today without the help of Sky Wealth. Now, if you are looking to start your own business in the near future, why don't you make sure your insurances are in place before you do that? It's going to be one less thing to worry about once you're up and running in your business. You can reach out to SkyWealth at sky.com.au. They'll have a 15-minute complimentary conversation with you to get your protection in place for this year. Well, let's play this interview. Then I'll swing back with Nick and have a real-life chat about some of the things that I learned from this episode. My name's Glenn James, and this is Money. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Well, Noah, thanks for joining us this morning. Where does this podcast find you? (laughs) I'm in Barcelona, Spain today. Barcelona. Wonderful place to be, no matter what time of year you are. And you've set yourself up, your business experience, which we'll talk about, and then the book that we're here to talk about, Million Dollar Weekend. Like, when you have designed a business that you can travel anywhere in the world, like, do you have that kind of freedom? Do you bounce from place to place? Or is Barcelona a little bit of a headquarters right now? Like, you, you have all the freedom in the world. How does your lifestyle afford that? And I guess afford that is maybe a different phrase. Like really, because you have the freedom, it's not necessarily financial affording. You've got the freedom to afford it, which most people don't have when they're stuck in a nine to five. And that's basically what your book is about, right? How to break away from that, how to develop entrepreneurial skills. Yeah. So let's get back to the main thing. Is Barcelona a base <laughs> or are you hanging out right now? It's a base. It's a base. We have an apartment. It's $1,000 a month. I have this office. It's 600 bucks a month. And it, it's affordable living. And so when I was stuck in a cubicle and I had a dream to be out here, to be in, actually my dream was to be in the beaches of Thailand. And what I learned and what I've since found to be true is calling a freedom number. 
And the reality is like, if you find out, okay, what's the amount of money so I don't have to work for someone else, so I can actually do the thing I really want to do. And mine was $3,000 a month and everyone has a freedom number. And once you realize it and then you realize it's more accessible, like what's your number that you're like, okay, cool, I could do the thing I wanted to do. And that freedom number obviously can change. Like I've, yeah. uh, my audience, you know, listening to this, my millennial investor, they've, I did an episode maybe six months ago about the top 10 best places to retire in the world and then kind of focus on what your number needs to be to get you through 30 or 40 years worth of retirement. So like, obviously we're talking mainly millennial guided audience here, but so if you're going to retire in the next five years, hopefully your life extendancy is going to be quite a bit. And Thailand made the list, you know, Thailand was on there, Barcelona, or really it didn't say Barcelona, but Northern Spain was a very affordable region. So if you have the flexibility to live anywhere you want because of the job that you've provided, your number can flex and change. Has yours yeah. changed? I know in the book you said 3,000. Was that like an older number or has that kind of number been stagnant for you? Yeah, for me, the 3,000 was like, if I can get this number, which is very attainable, right? I wanted rent, I wanted food, I wanted some investing. I said, if I can get this, then I don't have to work for anyone else. Then I could do, live the life I really want to live. And it seemed very achievable. And it felt more risky to just regret my job and more risky to have some shitty company or some shitty boss that I really couldn't learn from stuck in a place I didn't want to do. And it was funny though, cause people will tell you otherwise. Like my parents told me to not quit Intel. My parents told me, Oh, you've got to stay at this gig. You've got, you're going to love Intel. They've got health insurance. They thought going to Facebook was risky. And to me, it was riskier to just every, every literally Monday I hated my job. Every, well, I hated my job every day of the week, but it was the Sundays and Mondays that were the worst because I had the dread. And it was just planting the seed and doing something now, right? Right now, how do I start yeah. taking action towards this freedom number? Not how, right? Just start doing something. And, and that's a lot of what led me to eventually get to my freedom number after some time and then eventually be able to go past it. I would say right now, I make so much money, I don't have to worry about that number. Yeah, which is crazy to say out loud. Uh, there's a fine line between arrogance and just telling the truth. It's like, hey, I've made it, and you can too, hopefully. Yeah, it was an interesting realization that my wealth manager was like, you could spend twenty thousand dollars a month for the rest of your life, and you'll be fine. And I think that's the point of the freedom numbers, not that it has to start somewhere so you can get to another place eventually. Yeah, everybody finds their own attainable number. Yes, yes, and then. Finding the thing you actually really want to do will then eventually lead you to making a lot more money. I think where people go backwards, and the biggest mistake I see is they're like, well, I want to make a lot of money. And they try to do that, and then it just doesn't work because they're trying fads, and they're chasing these different YouTube fiction writers. And the reality is, find something you actually enjoy. Find a freedom number that you actually can attain. And to me, it's crazy now that I make, I make over $2 million a year cash by doing the thing I love to do. I can't believe I get paid to go do these things, to make YouTube videos, to write a book to help people do their own businesses, to promote software deals on AppSumo.com. Yeah, now I was actually going to break that down, or we don't have to fully break it down. But no, we can break it down. I discovered you from YouTube. You know, I've been following you for maybe a year and a half, subscribing, wow. love the channel. Thank you. The majority of that, say, $2 million a year, is that more AppSumo or is that more YouTube? Like, I think people have this wild fantasy that YouTube is the way to make <laughs> money. You know, like Mr. Beast is a... He's an anomaly for the most part. Yeah. Like I know Google is slowing down some ad revenue and different things of like that. So obviously you've got a very diversified portfolio. But like, is most of that from AppSumo or is YouTube a pretty successful way? Like, if someone's reading Million Dollar Weekend, and if their thought is like, "Well, hey, I can just do this via YouTube," 
Is that something you would say lean into, or is that something maybe think maybe think a little bigger, kids? Like, what's the process behind your revenue stream right now? Yeah, so two separate things there. So my revenue stream on YouTube last year, I lost three hundred thousand dollars. Oh wow! So it, it didn't lose it. I know where it is. I invested it into the channel, and I invested it into a creative director, into a video editor. We have a thumbnail designer. We've professionalized it, and and that's a lot of how I approach business, which is probably the sequel to this book, which is when you find something that works, how do you then expand it? And that's what we've done with AppSumo to get it to this year. I think we'll do somewhere around eighty million dollars. Wow! But the whole point of the you know this book and the whole beginning of Million Dollar Weekend is like you have to start it now, and and you have a chance to start it now, and then over some time it could be a million or ten million or a hundred million plus dollar dollar business. I, I think what. What I would encourage with YouTube specifically, and then I can break down my income streams, people get very distracted. They're like, oh, I could do YouTube and make content, and then I can get rich. And the reality is, I will do YouTube and make content whether I get rich or not because I like making content. Yeah, it's a passion. Yeah, I, I truly think you should find the thing you enjoy. And I've interviewed billionaires and a lot of millionaires, and I am a millionaire. And I just look at the people that I admire, and I'm like, wow, they really just keep doing the thing they really like. And that's how they've made even more money than you can imagine. And so for me, I've always enjoyed YouTube. And so I think people find, find whatever that is for yourself. I, I truly believe that. And then in terms of my income streams, AppSumo is the majority of it. I think this year it'll be around $2.5 million in 2023. I have real estate properties, which actually I lose money on. So I think there's a lot of millennials that are like, oh, these, these fucking landlords are getting rich out there and I'm getting shafted. I was like, dude, you can take my properties and lose the, the $55,000 i have lost this year. And so it's it's not so great. Yeah, um, it's a long game. I've got a couple of properties, and it's just like some years it's good, some years you're just hoping the the property appreciates more than the tax bill because the tax bill exactly. is not a fun one. Well, I think as a millennial, and not even a millennial, any human, you know, I think that's why I come back to the freedom number, and then I come back to now, not how, which is is something where how do you control your outcomes? So let's say you want to make you know a thousand dollars a month, or if, and it's like okay, well. I can go buy real estate, but think about how many people are competing in real estate. And then think about how long it takes to be great in that. And for me, I'm like, well, why don't you cheat? Why don't you go find the thing that you're actually maybe having an advantage in? Maybe it's in a Discord community. Maybe it's in golf. Maybe it's in food. Maybe for me, it's always been in promoting. Like I'm always promoting. Like you go back 15 years of my career, I was promoting events or I was promoting mint.com or I worked at Facebook. I'm promoting facebook.com. And so it was just trying to find the thing that, oh, I could do this and I have an advantage in it. And I'm going to stick with it. And that will lead me to then eventually make a thousand a month and then millions a month. Millions, not a month, but millions a year. Well, hey, don't, don't sell yourself short. Maybe there's a chance. <laughs> millions a month could be happening. It is crazy with our business. I mean, I talk about this in, in the book and I've seen the success of it called the law of 100, which is really about sticking with things. And, you know, when I'm cycling today, I think about, wow, if, if you can just stick with anything long enough, and that's why I talk about Law of 100, if you can stick with it long enough, you will win. And most people, including myself, have given up too early. Like, I'm sure you, you've experienced oh, yeah. this as well, Nick. Like, oh, fuck. Like, so it's finding anything that you enjoy and then to say, all right, I'm going to do 100 times and let me get to 100 and then I could quit. Or actually, it might be working and I'm going to continue it. Yeah, uh, you know, Angela Duckworth, she wrote the book Grit. Yeah. And it's just like, that's something, it's so hard to teach but it's also something that's so necessary. If you're going to be an entrepreneur and you don't have grit and passion, you're starting like in the negative territory. Like you, like you're on Everest at the top immediately without oxygen. You're like, how do I get down from here? Like you need grit, you need passion, and like that's almost an argument. Like depends on what 
you know, quote unquote business guru you're talking to. Some people say, <laughs> find, find the niche that can make you the money. Who cares if you're happy? Go make that bread. And then it, you're saying, find something you're passionate about and the money will follow if you continue to push for it. Is that a true statement? Yes. I, I think the, the two comments I would make is, number one, people put a lot of pressure on themselves and they psych themselves out from starting a business. That's why I say I keep repeating the phrase now, not how. And I repeat this to myself. So it's like, just go do it. Just start it today. Because think about in one year how much further ahead you can be. And in almost everything I've done, I'm like, oh, I should have just started it sooner. And so just get going now, right? Whether it's a YouTube channel, whether it's selling door-to-door, whether it's a food company, whatever that is. And the second thing with grit is like, think about yourself as an experimenter, right? So there's less pressure to have to be so successful right away. And when you're experimenting, it's okay if you fail. When you're experimenting, you're like, huh, that's okay. I'm experimenting. I'm trying things out. And I would say the last thing, Nick, that, that's helped me is how do you practice grit? How do you yeah. practice sticking with something? The easiest way to do that is physically. So go physically commit to 100 days of walking around your block. Just do something basic. Or today, I'm, I'm on a hill, and I see a guy ahead of me, and I'm like, I have got to beat him. Yeah. And it's a practice. It seems simple, and it is, but it's just practicing that mindset of like, all right, well, I'm going to compete. I'm going to suffer I'm going to grip myself. And then as you do it there, when it's easy and there's no risk and there's no stakes, when you start applying that to your podcast, when you start applying it to real estate, when you start applying it to an online business, to content, to a restaurant, to whatever it is, you're like, I can do hard things. So hard things. Have you ever seen the bike riding? I think it's the Dirty Dozen in Pittsburgh. They have a competition every, like it's the day after Thanksgiving. So most of American consumers are out uh, shopping, they're trying to buy a dishwasher for half off or something. And then people who just love to suffer, you said suffer and cycling in the same sentence. So now I'm like pouncing on you. Look, I think it's called the Dirty Dozen and you ride the 12 steepest streets in Pittsburgh, which I know everybody thinks San Francisco's got it, but Pittsburgh has some wickedly steep streets. And uh, if you ever find yourself in you know, middle America, Pittsburgh area around Thanksgiving, and you want to suffer, and you want to test your grit in real life, and then apply that to your next you know, best-selling book, uh, there's a thought experiment for you. <laughs> what, you know, whether you're a millennial or you're super old or even before a millennial, I don't know what that's even called, like a, a sperm. <laughs> I think it's Generation Alpha. Oh, that's a cool one. I want to do that one. I guess it'd be, no, it's Gen Z, then Alphas after that. So my kids will be Alpha. Oh, that's cool. I think the thing you realize when you do something you enjoy and you do something hard is when you're most proud. And so just looking at ways to practice it and experiment with it instead of having it be so these big ominous, like I have to be the successful person. And if I'm not successful right away, I failed. It's like, okay, cool. I practiced it. I experimented with it. Let me just keep doing it again and again. Uh, And then it gets easier as you start applying yourself in more things. Like in my videos on YouTube, I go up to people's doors. I go, like I have a video coming out where I wanted to people in first class seats on an airplane just to ask them what they do for a living. Yeah, sorry. When you came up to me, I didn't know that you were doing a, like I didn't know we were going to have this interview. I was like, sorry, I'm in first class. Leave me alone. Like I would have been a little more cordial. Sorry about that. I don't know how long ago it was, but you, you were outside. So hold on, let me, let me lead into this. Part of your book, one of the things I really liked, you're talking about the rejection number, like to set a rejection goal. And you're talking about going door to door with your dad uh, selling copiers or fax machines, or was it copiers? Yeah, he did copiers and fax machines for Panasonic. Yeah, you're with him on the sales call, and he's just getting rejected and rejected, and like you're feeling the cringe inside of you. And your dad says something like magical, like, 
you just have to get your rejection number. Like as soon as you hit X, Y, Z number of rejections, a yes is bound to happen. Yeah. It's like in sales. And I don't know if a lot of the audiences has much sales experience, but you almost set a number for yourself that if you hit this many rejections, mathematically, there might be a yes around the corner. And then you challenged us, and I did it this morning, uh, 10% off coffee. So I'm at this coffee shop, and I have a sales background. Like, sales isn't something new to me, but I haven't, <laughs> I think it was because of COVID. Like, I, I got used to not interacting with people and just getting through the mundane and just getting in the groove. And I just read your book, and it said, ask for 10% off your coffee. So I'm in line, there's a person behind me, there's a person in front of me. I get up there, I'm like, okay, I'm going to talk to Noah today. I got to ask for 10% off. I got rejected. (laughs) I didn't get the 10% off. She looked at me like I had three heads, like, who is asking for 10% off coffee? But like that whole process of putting yourself in an uncomfortable experience that you wouldn't put yourself in normally is going to open you up to take more risks in life in general, which is what you need to be an entrepreneur. So I wanted to tell you, I did the 10% off challenge. Good for you. It was a little awkward and I lived through it. What did you learn about yourself? That I think you, you have this perception of yourself that people care more about you than they do. Like the, the barista doesn't care what I now do with the rest of my day. Like she wants to do her job and I, I, I bet she's thinking about me right now, to be honest. Like she would not have thought about any of her other clients, but like that dude asked me for 10% off this morning. Like what, what a weird guy, but you know, you just, you have to take some chances and it doesn't hurt as much as you might think it. You're worried about the perception of people are going to have for you. But I learned a long time ago that if you don't care what, like these people aren't going to show up at your funeral. So why do you care about if they, if they reject you right now? Like if they aren't going to come to your funeral and care about the life that you lived, why are they having an effect on the decisions you make right now? And the barista is not going to come to my funeral, so I asked for ten percent off. I mean, t- taking a step back here, business is the best way to learn about yourself. Period. Like I have never found a better thing to learn about who I am, what I am capable of, how do I help other people through entrepreneurship. So I think every single person should, on- should do entrepreneurship. Also, if you want to be a- an investor, it's one of the best returns you can do is to have your own business from a tax perspective and from an upside make a fuck ton of money perspective. Yeah. You know, because it's you, you put in the stock market, you get 7%. You put in your own business, you can get 100%. Yeah, for Which sure. Which you want to do. Yeah, and I always start my spiel with, like, we want to look at any type of investment. Like, not the stock market. I want to look at the best passive income streams, the best invest in yourself streams, the best, like, if there is a great, you know, mainly I'm looking at passive index investing and how can I make my money make money. And there's no better way to make your money make money than investing in yourself. So like entrepreneurship lines right in there. It's number one. It's the best return you could do. And the problem, though, is that there's two things that hold everyone back from it. There's unlimited fiction writers on YouTube. There's a million business books out there. Then how come everyone doesn't do it? And there's two things. But they're hard and they're scary. And so how do you make it fun and how do you make it easy to practice it and be able to achieve it? And the first one is the fear of starting. Actually saying, okay, I have a dream, I have a freedom number, and I can actually start right now. Yeah. And the second one is the fear of asking. It's like, how do I ask someone else for something that I think would be beneficial for them and good for me? And that, that's ultimately what business is. And so, you know, in the book, I've, I've seen people like this guy, Dieter. 
and Jason Blake and these guys that have done the different challenges we have in the book. And Dieter used it to get more money at his day job, <laughs> yeah. which is awesome. And we have seen other people, this guy Felipe, who's a developer in Brazil, he doesn't want his day job anymore. He doesn't want to work for someone else. And so he started using, from starting and asking now, he has a, a popular LinkedIn extension uh, for foreign people who want developer jobs in America. I was like, huh. That's cool, yeah. It, it's an amazing way to learn about yourself and get paid fat at the same time that you totally control. I think so many times in life, like your job controls you, or your parents control you, or the system controls you. And so how do you empower yourself to take your power back and make your own decisions and make your own outcomes? And I, I believe entrepreneurship is the best way to do that. Well, no, we've been talking for quite a bit. Let's take a quick water break, and we'll be right back after this message. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. So your dad taught you like the rejection goal thing real early on in your life as you're going on sales calls with him. Do you still think about, like, do you phrase it in your mind? Real life example, you're a recent video I watched, you're trying to get on a private plane for anybody. And you're like, you're parked outside of a private airplane hangar or something. And you're like, you're asking yeah. everybody that drives through like, Hey, can I, <laughs> can I talk to you about how you made this money? Can I talk to you about how you make this money? And then like, spoiler alert, you actually get on a plane with this guy from, Texas yeah. to Boston, right? Yeah. Like, were you thinking, okay, today I'm going to get rejected a lot and I just need to keep asking? Or is that so been ingrained in you that you don't even think through the process? That's just who you are, you know, as a YouTube creator. So for all these videos, we've done knocking on doors. We've gone up to yachts. We did the private jet one. I just did first class, which is one of the harder ones I've ever done. I get anxiety for about a month before I do them. You do? Okay. So it's a, it's about a month of like, I don't want to do this. Aren't I, aren't I already super rich? Why am I doing this? Like, do I need to do this? And I think, as I said earlier, when you do something hard and you challenge yourself, you always feel good about yourself afterwards, 100% of the time. And so I always know that, and I, and I do keep optimism. I say, hey, you're gonna be, it's going to be tough. Let's get at least some rejections. Let's get a certain number of them, 10, 20. And that also helps you just practice it. Because when you do it in this thing that has low stakes... When you do it in a business where you can actually get a lot of money or you can get a husband or a wife or in other opportunities, you've already practiced it a lot. And it's something that you you just got to keep going at it. And just think of these rejection goals, right? Get 10 rejections. 
So when I do these knocking on doors, I'm like, I'm going to try to get at least 10 rejections. And it was, it's shocking how many actual people say yes to me. Yeah. Like in my latest video, I got in people's houses, strangers that I don't know. And it was because I said, all right, well, I'm going to try to do at least 10 to 15 rejections. And the interesting thing about asking and, and, and using it as a power is the upside of asking is unlimited. Yeah, totally. Right? You can get a new job. You can get a new salary. You can get a customer. You can be on a, someone's show. And so having rejection goals kind of separates out that they're rejecting you as a person. And it's just that they didn't want what you're offering. And that's okay. Someone else will. And so the other thing that I like to think about with rejection in general, which is that rejection is just a test if you really want something or not. So I wanted to get on a private jet. I wanted to find out what these people do for a living. Like I was willing to stay out there for two days to find eventually someone to let me on their private jet. Wow. But yeah, it's something that I wanted it. And I was willing to face some a little bit of discomfort for a $50,000 plus experience that's once in a lifetime. Unless I go back and we do another video, part two. <laughs> I call a guy, like, hey, can I get another ride? He's actually, he's, he's been texting me. He's an, he's an interesting one. But the point is, is that he didn't know I have money. He didn't know I have a YouTube channel. He doesn't know I have a business. I was, me and my buddy Isaac, who had a camera, were just outside. And so that's why in the book and in general, I always think about now, not how. Like, don't worry how you're going to build your website. I built my YouTube channel with my phone, shirtless, and my house. That's it. Wow. I built up Simo in a weekend with $50 and myself. And I, what I want people to think about is just get going today. I think when they consume the next book or they think the next thing is going to finally happen, it's like you could already have been ahead right now if you got going. And you talk about like not over-educating, and you're not anti-education, obviously, but you only give people a weekend. Like the, the premise of the book is like you can get going in a weekend is that because you did AppSumo only in a weekend? Or do you think that there is something magical about like that small time frame? You're just, you have to throw aside all of this forced kind of trauma with, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. When it's in a weekend, you're just like, boom, you've got to do it. Is it more from your lived experience that you were able to do it in a weekend? Or do you think there is some sort of magic within that time frame? Everyone has a weekend available to change their life. You have kids, Nick. A lot of people have kids. They have husbands and wives. They have a day job. And they may not want to have millions of dollars. Maybe they just want to be able to have whatever groceries they want. Maybe they just want to have something where they feel more creative. Like there's this woman, Jennifer, who sells cookies. And she didn't, she's not trying to be a millionaire. And most people who create companies aren't. They just want to have a little more control over their life. They want a little more freedom in, in how they live. And so they, everyone has a weekend available to do something. And the, when you have just a weekend, you're also limited in what you could do. Because everybody who's ever started a business or tried is, well, let me think about it longer. Yeah. And when you have this limitation of not being able to spend more money, of not being able to spend more time, and actually getting paid, which when you finally get that taste of that first dollar, it's one of the best feelings. I still get it sometimes when people send me money for different things. I'm like, oh man, this is so exciting. And the fact that you can do it in 48 hours, and you have 52 chances this year to keep trying it, is empowering. And that could be as a professional real estate investor, that could be a stock investor, that could be starting businesses online or offline. And then learning the skills for it means that you can actually keep trying it over and over until you eventually get it, which everyone will as long as they stick with it. One of the very interesting things, and if people don't know listening, that you were the 13th employee at Facebook, is that right? 30. 30. 30th employee yes. at Facebook. And I saw an interview that you did with Graham, and he's talking about uh, your how you missed out just by the slimmest of margins on the vesting period for your stock options at Facebook. And like, that was one of those things that 
makes me cringe as well as lean in because, you know, now on this side of that fateful decision and that coffee breakup interview, if you want to call it that, where they said, you know, no, you're not cutting it. You made a mistake. You know, we no longer want you here at Facebook. Like that, to me, it looks back and it's like, God, that is like one of the biggest rejections that you can face. But that has led to this whole process. Like that's led to the the book, The Million Dollar Weekend. That's led to this interview. It's led to you doing AppSumo. And when I was reading the book, one of the things that didn't come out was in the interview, you said like, you weren't even really enjoying your time at Facebook anyway. Like in that process, you're reading old journals and you said, I want to be my own boss. Like I don't even enjoy what I'm doing, but people would think like, oh, Facebook that you made the Mecca, like that was it. But it's even in the best of jobs, which you would think being the 30th employee at Facebook would be, you wouldn't have been happy if you were stuck there. Yeah, I felt stuck. You can be the 30th employee in Facebook and feel stuck. Like People need to hear that. Like If you are going to your job and you're miserable, maybe not just because of your job, but because of who you're working for, uh, because of the work you're doing, and you have this thrive in your belly, like you need to take that weekend. Explore that that kind of desire, I guess, and think like, well, what do I want to do with my life? And then, you know, you put some truly practical things like finding the concept of the freedom number we talked about, like these particular tools that you talk about in the book can help people get off their, you know, and go for it. So what, what kind of tools do you feel like people need to look at if you've got this idea in your brain, you're not enjoying your job, you think you might have a good idea. Like, Is there certain tools that you can use to evaluate if you've got a million-dollar opportunity in your hands? What you called out is so important. It's so good to just try to understand how you're feeling. And I did, as much as <laughs> Facebook was a dream, and I wanted, I was going to be worth a billion dollars, and I knew it was going to do well. I knew I would be a billionaire from it. There was still a part of me that didn't like that it wasn't mine. There's still a part of me that I was working for someone else, and, and my dream was always to be my own boss. And my dream was to work remotely. And this morning, I was thinking about you, Nick, Yeah. and I thought about coming on this show, and, and I was thinking, wow, I'm living my dream. I'm living my dream. How So cool. So cool, and it's available for everyone. And one thing I believe is that the distance between where people are and where they want to be is closer than they think. Yeah, for sure. People believe that these gurus or people that write books or people that are on YouTube have some secrets that they don't have, and that, that's not true. It's the abil- Everyone has the ability in themselves, it's just they have to start it. And they have to start it today. And there's not going to be something that they'll find out in two weeks. Because in two weeks, they could have already been ahead of it if they got going right now. The real tool is themselves. And so it, that's, that is why we talk, teach and talk about starting and asking. And the tactics of the business stuff, that part's easy. That's the easy part. That's the fun part. The hard part and the enjoyable part where you're actually going to grow a lot is the starting and asking. So in terms of tools for your ideas, what I believe is how do you find out within 48 hours if you can get people to pay you for a business. So give me an example of any idea. And let's just do a quick example. What is one thing this morning, Nick, that, that annoyed you? Or that was troublesome? Or you would love, you know, you're like, oh man, that was annoying. Um, connecting to the internet at this hotel. Got it. So what, what happened? It's just the whole process. Like when you're checking into any hotel, like I want a full service experience from the hotel. I don't want to have to get up to my room to try to get everything set up to do an interview, to do your work, you know, whether you're traveling, like let's say you're traveling around, like which we both are right now, traveling around, doing our work wherever we want. The internet should be such an 
available resource that it doesn't have to go through hoops to get connected to live your life. Ugh. So there's all these little things where some one person could go a little further and make your life better and easier. I love that. But for all some right. reason, that didn't happen. Let, let's take that as an idea and see, could we make that a million-dollar business? What do you think? Seems difficult, but you're the pro. <laughs> it doesn't actually seem that difficult. So the, number one, you have to think, and it's in the book and, and the details are in there, but at a high level, do you think there are enough people spending enough money on internet at Airbnbs and hotels that maybe have trouble? Yes. Do you think there's over a million dollars of people spending in that area? There's certainly one dollar a day and a million people a day. I would say it's, I don't think trillion, but I'd say billions of dollars of people stay at Airbnbs or at hotels and have internet issues or have internet that they're paying for and so forth. Now, the reason I start there is that you're going to work either way. Why not work on something that has a million dollar opportunity? Yeah, look for a lot of numbers. Yeah, people are like, I'm going to work really hard on something that's a really small ass pie, which is great, but you want to make sure it's either a million today or it's going to be a million. So if you're doing the work, you know the opportunity is there. Now, secondly, how it works is what we have to find out. If we get rejected, that's okay. We're learning something. We actually want to have a business. We want to get to our freedom number. So the two ways for me, especially in 48 hours, we don't have a lot of time. We don't want to spend more money. There's two options that I'd think about. One, could I go and try to sell to people like you a service that, hey, wherever you go, I'll go verify your internet and I'll get your office set up for you. And I would actually go try to contact people in my network. I think people, when they start businesses, make it way too hard. Yeah. They're like, oh, I should go post on Reddit. I'll go start a YouTube channel and six years later, I'll try to see if someone will give me money. No. See what you have access to and what you have a, a competitive advantage in, meaning who do you have in your network, your zone of influence that you could talk to. So I would go and reach out to people like you and ask you, can you pay me right now $50 and I will make sure wherever you go, I will check the internet for you ahead of time. And so you might say yes or no. Look, do you want to give me $50 for that? <laughs> no, not right now. Yeah, great. Okay, awesome. That, that's great. But the next time I go to a hotel and it's terrible, I'll be like, I'm calling Noah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going I'm to pay him that 50 bucks. Everybody wants the cheapest flight until you are on that 6 a.m. flight going, why didn't I spend an extra 100 bucks on a different flight? So sometimes it takes that rejection and then the follow-up yes. to be like, okay, yeah. now I'm willing to spend 50 bucks to have somebody else set this up. This is what 99% of entrepreneurs get wrong. So they have this idea, I'm going to go start a website, an app, and I'm going to check all the Wi-Fi. And when I just found out and by talking to you, is that you don't want it? Right now, yeah. That's okay. Let me talk to maybe a few more people that, and let me see if they do want it. And if they don't want it, great. I didn't just spend months and weeks and years of my life and money to find out that. Now, the beauty is now I can use a similar method to go on to something else. Maybe instead of going to you, Nick, I go to the Airbnb hosts or I go to hotels and contact them and say, hey, I can come find your Wi-Fi, test it out, put it, and I can give you a stamp and see if you want, if that when people come, they know the Wi-Fi is tested. Guess what? Maybe they don't want that either. Okay, great. What's next? Yeah. And that's, you know, what people, people only see the dish that comes out of the kitchen with AppSumo. They don't see the 20 different businesses that I worked on that no one wanted. And that's okay. But what I learned is how do I do that in a much faster frequency and a much less reduced spending to get to the thing that people actually want? Yeah. And like, I'm like, as we're talking, thinking of these different friends that I see in my life that are just settling for jobs they don't like, like literally do not like. But I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to like, how can I help motivate to get them going? And like, maybe it is truly like this weekend experience where like, look, get away, just go somewhere for two days and like put in the work 
of just getting started. But is this available for everybody or does it take a specific personality to make this happen? Like, cause I feel like I'm a go getter, but I don't know if that was learned, if that's something that I work through or if that is intrinsic in who I am. So can, can anybody start a million dollar business over a weekend with enough hard work? Yes. And it doesn't have to be hard work. Where did you learn the story that you're a go-getter? I think people, I'm just living my life. And people throughout that experience are like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing Like, I'm always trying new things. I'm a, always trying to learn stuff. I'm always reading a book. I'm always out just kind of testing things. And then somewhere along the way, people will notice it. Like, are you crazy? Like, I was mountain biking the other day. I don't think I'm a very good mountain biker. But... <laughs> Like we're going down this this like kind of a blue slash black trail, and I'm just going, and I you know I'm riding, I'm having a great time, and I look back and I don't see my buddies anywhere, <laughs> so I'm sitting at the bottom of the hill, kind of waiting, like getting a little nervous, and they come down, and you know this is like a dumb example, but they come down the hill and they're like, dude, you're a maniac. I was like, what are you talking about? Like I was just riding the hill. They're like, you went over that like that and that and that, and it's like, I'm I'm not even very good. I'm just I just I'm just going with the flow. Like I'm just trying to ride the trail that's in front of me and I'm willing to just see what happens. So it's like people pointing out that like identifying in me that I try so many things that it seems like that is a different feature than some of the people I hang out with, I guess. Yeah. A lot of ordinary people get rich. And what I mean by that is people believe it's other people who have it and they don't. That other people have something that they didn't get you built up a story and you built up a self-narrative, which is so awesome that you're like, I go do things. And that is a trained thing. That is a learned skill. And anyone out there can learn it too. And they have to practice it. That's why we talk about experimenting. That's why we talk about now, not how. That is why we say, hey, go and just ask for the coffee challenge. Go ask for And the more you start doing those things, you're like, huh, I can do these things. And when you put that together with a freedom number, which is where you want to go, and it doesn't have to be a big number. It doesn't have to be 100000 a month or 10000 a month. It could be $100 a month. It could be grocery money. You start realizing you have the capabilities. And more people need that. More people need the self-confidence. They need the, the, the ability, like, holy shit, I can do some stuff. Now, we can't convince your friends that they should go do this stuff. They have to figure out what they really want for themselves. I think the book, Million Dollar Weekend, and the reality that they can do it and it's available to them is the part that then they have to take the first step. Dang it. <laughs> I was hoping this was the spark. Just Nick, it's just, <laughs> you know, I, I always think you can't, you can't, you know, I've sold for so many years and I've started so many businesses and I've seen, you know, I've read every, almost every major business book I've read. You can't change someone's behavior. Yeah. The best thing you could do is enhance the behavior they're already doing. But you can help them realize, like sometimes you don't realize what's available. You don't realize that you can, holy shit, I can actually do that. I can, I didn't realize I could go live in abroad. I didn't realize... I don't have to live this standard way that other people are living. And when you realize that you can actually write your own story, then you're like, oh shit, that's cool. And some people don't even know that's possible. So you do yeah. have to, you know, like our, the YouTube videos, no one knows that I'm running uh, you know, this almost $100 million company. I don't talk about that. My only vi- all my videos are just aspiration, just to get you excited, just to realize like, hey, if you ask for things, if you go for it, there's a lot out there for you. And then it's like, okay, now how do I get there? Then you need to find some of the tactics and the strategies to be able to get there. But people need to find the vision and the, aspir- the inspiration and aspiration too. Okay, so friends, if you're listening, I'm not going to call you out, 
but read this book. Call them out. And, <laughs> and just think like, yeah, you don't have to be like listening to Noah's story. Like he has had failures, like truly things that would set a lot of people back. And he has just kept going and he's kept going. And he, because of that persistence, he has found success. And I'll, we'll end with this. Uh, you know, I, I guess I still am an entrepreneur, but like I feel like I was going to say I had been an entrepreneur before. I had, I did, I led this company that I started with a coworker or a ex college roommate, and we did entrepreneurial business to business sales. We were contacting software companies and trying to help connect them with their customers at an easier rate than what they were currently dealing with. And I mean, there were some long days. There was a lot of challenging days. Like it's not sometimes it's is easy to get started as just starting. Like sometimes you just have to take that first step to get started. Yes. But then what have you found like is the key to keeping the spark alive or the joy alive? So like I know a lot of, I think a lot of people that think like, oh, I'd like to be an entrepreneur, but it's, you know, you're putting 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Like you get burned out. Like I see these people that are doing it and it's just hard. Like what have you found that's the key to finding joy and keeping that joy alive as you're doing this entrepreneurial lifestyle? I mean, to give you an idea for today, I woke up at 10, I had breakfast and read till 12, I biked for two hours, and then my work day is, today I'm working three hours. That sounds joyful. It's, it's not exclusive. So the reality here is it does take time, and so that's why you have to start now so you can get there. Find the thing that you really actually enjoy doing. I enjoy making content. I enjoy promoting things. That's what AppSumo.com is. I enjoy being out there and being public. That's what Million Dollar Weekend is. It's like, I'm going to show you how I do what I do so that you can do it for yourself. So you have to start it now. The second thing, and we, we talked about it a little earlier, is the law of 100. So whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Think of it as just experiment. Think of it as reps, whatever it helps you. Find a buddy to help you support while they're doing it too and just do 100 of them. And, and the last thing I would say is it should be fun. If it's totally a grind, then you're probably doing the wrong thing. Like I always found the thing I just really enjoyed doing. It didn't mean it was like making a ton of money right away. Yeah. But eventually I stuck with it, committed to it. And over time, yes, now three hours a day and I'm able to make millions of dollars. Take time, continue with it. Like the longer you do something, the more you become an expert in that thing. And I think people are so quick. They need the instantaneous like success but over the years, you have become an expert in marketing, in promotion, you know, everything you do at AppSumo, like, get started. I would say counterintuitively, how do you take this short-term, everything's quick world and take advantage of that? So the fact that we have short attention spans, how do you do things quickly? How do you then take initiative that you have a weekend available? All right, let me put out a video. How do you take this weekend and maybe sell something on Etsy? Or sell something on Facebook Marketplace and see what happens. Like I, I have a, a friend who is, they've read the book and they started putting their paintings out on Facebook Marketplace and they made a few hundred bucks from it. And they, they were not trying to be a mil- they're not trying to be a millionaire. They're just following something that they just like painting regardless. And that is available for everyone out there. And you learn a lot about yourself. You have fun with it, and it doesn't have to be this daunting, scary thing. It should be fun. And if it's not, then I would reconsider what's going on. That's good. Let's leave it at that. I like that as an ending. Noah Kagan. Nick Bradley. It has been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on to My Millennial Investor. Dude, when we go on mountain biking. Dude, I am ready at any moment. Have you ever been to Moab, Utah? Dude, yeah. 
Yeah, that's oh. great. That big en- whole enchilada. The whole enchilada is like one of the top experiences of my life. And I've I've hiked lots of big mountains and I've been around the world doing some cool stuff. But Moab, Utah, the whole enchilada is the best way to spend a day. Hundred percent. So let's do it. We'll, we'll off air. We'll figure that out. But. Listen, if you guys are listening to My Millennial Investor, check out Noah Kagan's book coming January 30th, 2024. I've read it. I recommend it. Make it happen. Thanks for coming on, Noah. We'll talk to you later. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, Nick, welcome back to This Is Money. How are you going? Doing great, Glenn. Thanks for having me. Mate, it is my pleasure. Now, your podcast, This Is Investing, uh, we just played an episode on this show here and I wanted to jump on because I got some notes about that episode. But before we do that, what did you take from your discussion with Noah? Because he just released the book, The Million Dollar Weekend, I think it's called. Is that it? Yep. I got it right here in front of me, actually. The Million Dollar Weekend, the surprisingly simple way to launch a seven-figure business in 48 hours. Yeah. Now, I was just like, that sounds pretty savage. But what are your takeaways from the book and the interview that you had with him? Uh, My first kind of like main thought was I was just almost had a pit in my stomach hearing about all of the missed opportunities and or kind of the fumbled opportunities that Noah has had in his life. So obviously he was in a good position, was in a a very good high school in Southern LA and got himself into a lot of, a, a bigger sphere of influence than he said he would have had. Like, you know, if you listen to the episode, his dad was a door to door, like copy salesman, which is like not a lucrative career. It seems like something that would make most people just sick in the fact that Noah was able to put himself in a position where he was the 13th employee at Facebook. No, I think it was the 30th. 30th. I butchered that in the interview too. That's great. Yeah. I don't know if you guys edited that, but that's hilarious. No, we left it. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, I like I liked the raw. So 30, three, zero, doesn't matter. Yeah. The, the, it's over $500 per share right now. When we did the interview, uh, Facebook stock wasn't five hundred dollars a share. So I wonder if he, I wonder if right now he's having a little bit of regret, but I doubt it because he's a very successful individual. So that was just kind of my one takeaway: is like my own personality. I think of like what could have been, and it seems like he has been able to pivot and turn what could have been into like what what do I have now? Like what can I do, and how can I like make some opportunities out of what's in front of me? And like I think I was pretty inspired by that. Just like his really determinative attitude to just keep going 
and he started many successful businesses. And it's really, it's been a pretty interesting read. Yeah, one thing that I wanted to discuss, and I mentioned it at the top of the episode in my intro, was the cultural differences. Like, if I jumped on this podcast and was like, hey, everyone, I'm killing it, I'm making a million dollars, two million dollars a year, the Australian culture, you just tear people down. And I think sometimes, and I have been accused of this before, I think there is a difference that people struggle to see the difference between confidence and arrogance and maybe with the the layer of, you know, you're living in the most capitalistic pew-pew America place in the world, right? And Most arrogant country in the world. You can say it. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. Like you champion success, but I don't know Australian culture if a lot of it is, I don't know what the word is, postmodern heritage of basically it was a prison for a lot of white people. And I don't know. I just, the cultural difference was just stark in that interview, an American talking to another American about money, business, and success. Yeah. I was, uh, I was on This Is Property. Uh, I don't know when this episode will air, but I was doing an interview with John on This Is Property and said something along the lines of Australia was founded by prisoners and America was founded by pirates. Mm-hmm. So we have always had this like stick it to the man, like we got to make our money. We're going to, like we don't want to pay the king a measly 3% tea tax. So we're going to start a war and do our own thing. And almost from the very beginning, it's been accepted to show your wealth, to flaunt your wealth. Personally, I get, like I don't think Noah was doing that, but I think there is, that's just layered in the society of America is kind of just showing, you know, what you can do and, you know, Mm. look at what I've done. I think it's a little different when you're a published author and a public figure. Like it's more encouraging from Noah to be like, "Yeah, I'm making two million dollars a year, and that's but U.S. So can you? <laughs> yeah, that, that's U.S. So uh, divide by point six two, maybe what the current rate is. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, he's doing like three point five, maybe AUD a year. And but he's saying like, "Look, I wrote this book because I think you can too." He's like, "There's opportunities everywhere." If you can focus in, find something that you're good at and that the market needs, like you can do it also. Mm. Yeah, one thing that stood out to me as well was the whole um, just start. <laughs> like how many times have we heard people say stuff, oh, I'm, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And in Australia or particularly in my circle of friends or people that I'm around, we've got this saying here called, I'm a gunner. Like this person's a gunner. Like, shut up. You mean going saying, to do this? I'm yeah, going you, to do that. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, yeah, that's cute, but actually take some action. The market research piece, like when you guys made up on the fly that um, thing about internet, right, in hotel rooms yeah. or whatever around the world. Like to me, that's you did a little bit of market research, hypothesize. It's probably a non-starter. Sweet, move on. I think one of the things I misread from the book was. You know, he's talking about doing a seven-figure business in 48 hours. I think you're supposed to keep going after 48. My problem is I start a lot of things. I give it all of my attention for two days, and then I forget that I was supposed to continue doing that thing. Yeah, yeah. I think if you're reading the book, kids, it's successful to keep going after you've developed the concept. <laughs> I'm good at developing the concept and then running out of time to actually do the concept. Yeah. So I think, I don't know, I, I, just, I was just encouraged with that whole discussion around, you know, doing something because you're passionate 
And it really, everything that he talks about flies in the face, I think, of the FIRE movement because the FIRE movement is get lots of money and retire. Yeah. But a lot of people would be like, no, you get lots of money and uh, then you do your passions. Where I'm just like, well, what about you put the passion first, then the money will come, then you don't need to fire because you're just living your life. Yeah, and I think it's it's good for Noah. Like he is passionate about doing entrepreneurial things and starting businesses. So it may not be fair to say that everybody can make seven figures on their passion. Mm. However, you can find something probably to be passionate enough about that you can make a living on and be happy. Like you don't have to like did you guys ever see the show Dirty Jobs? Like did that make it to the island? Uh, maybe on like Discovery or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think it was Discovery here as well. So like, yeah, he's basically like nobody wants to do. No one wants to be a trash man. Well, trash men are paid really good, so be a trash man. Like nobody wants to do like sewer cleanup, but sewer cleanup guys make really good money, so do that. Yeah. But his whole premise was like, yeah, it's a lame job, but you get paid a lot of money. Mm. That's like, yeah, but like, how? I don't, what's the average career for like a sewage man? Like, it's mm. probably doesn't love what he's doing. So there's definitely some balance between getting paid for your passion if it's like poppies maybe if you yeah. find the right buyer. Yeah, yeah. And I've crapped on about it for for a long time that whole cause and effect thing and the failure rate and you know if you get five rejections at some point you're going to get a a winner. At some point someone's going to go yes. And for those that are in sales listening to this, keep going. It's okay. Even in my own business in terms of pricing, uh, I had someone turn down an advertising package the other day because like, oh, this is too expensive. I'm like, that's fine. I know the market pays for it because of these last two customers and they were happy. So I, I think it is about, it's okay to have people that will not go ahead with your proposition. But you know, if you are starting a business or if you want to start a business, can you text five people today and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. Would you pay for this service? And if the answer is no, I think you've got to really think about, am I asking the right people? Right. Or is it a non-starter? Yeah, there's there's definitely a fine line between your determination and the market's needs. So just yeah. because you're determined and you think you've got something doesn't mean the market wants to pay you for that thing. Mm. One of the things we didn't talk about in the interview that like I took away more recently when he sent me, sent me a hard copy and I started kind of reperusing the book was he him and some friends had developed this gaming almost like maybe not legal gambling site and there was a certainly a gray area in America at the time when they were doing this and they were getting just raked over the coals with the expense ratio of like the credit card processor yeah and the processor wasn't like good to work with they were like difficult and he emailed three of his other friends that he knew that were using the same processor and like, hey, are you guys getting any success with these guys? And they're like, no. And he's like, maybe we should just do it ourselves. So taking his own thing, did 48 hours, him and his business partner developed their own software. It helps if you're a software engineer. So yeah, if you, it does. I think that definitely help. helps out. But mm-hmm. he developed his own way to do the credit card processing. And then all the other friends that also didn't like the other one started using his and he ended up turning that into the business, scrapped the online gambling kind of fantasy sports thing and just did the processing thing because he thought he had like a winner in this fantasy sports thing, but the winner was competing with the lame credit card processor. Are you going to turn around and say, oh, and the company is Stripe? (laughs) (laughs) 
It might be. Uh, we won't yeah. give them any more free advertising. Yeah. Far. Is it though? No. No. But they're doing. Say. They're doing well. Yeah. He is. Yeah. Uh, I think he has since sold it. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. I just I thought it was encouraging. I wanted everyone to hear it, and also if you do want some other content to listen to, Nick's out here doing the. Uh, this is investing podcast. And what do you usually talk about on your show? Mainly a lot of shares investing. So I will peruse the internet. I get copious amounts of uh, investing material sent to me, both from kind of small publications as well as big ones from like Barron's, Investopedia, The Wall Street Journal. And I just find things that I'm interested in, you know, investing in stuff that I'm already looking for. Maybe I've got a couple stocks on my mind. Uh, I read investing books all the time, and I just kind of try to synthesize that and turn it into an entertaining show, 20 to 30 minutes talking about maybe a bust and boom story, or maybe here's something that you could think about if it fits your risk profile to investigate on your own for your portfolio. So, you know, market streams, investment Mm -hmm. allocation strategies, anything investing from real estate to shares to cryptocurrency. I don't talk about crypto a lot, but maybe there's a, there's a one or two fun episodes in there to talk about. So yeah, if you want to have a, a subscribe to that, it's called This Is Investing. It's, uh, it's hosted by Nick. Now, if you are new to all this, Nick is a friend of mine and the backstory is long and boring, uh, but he lives in hell. I mean, in Columbus, Ohio, in the Midwest. That was a funny joke. It's only boring on your end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is our our friendship story exciting, is it? It's as boring as you want to make it. Yeah, fair enough. Well, it's pretty boring. But um, Nick and I are actually also finishing up, about to send a manuscript to an editor uh, for our book that will be released. Seven days. I know, and I haven't even finished uh, the strategy chapter. So it's going to be a few long nights in it for me. Great. And then, um, yeah, so that book will be coming out in... What are, what are they doing it? September maybe, or something? Maybe September, yeah. August or yeah. September. Yeah, because they want it in the Father's Day catalog. So that's start of September in Australia. So anyway, we're going to try and do some uh, another bit of a book tour. We'll get Nick down here on the island and we can hang Ooh. out with, with everyone who wants to uh, yeah, talk about investing and money. And yeah, well, we might leave it there unless there's anything else that you wanted to add about that or anything else that you're doing. Nope. Just uh, it, I, it was a fun interview to have. I enjoyed talking to Noah. Mm. Uh, I've texted him one or two times since then. He's been encouraging with some different ideas I've bounced off him. So between, um, I would say that you and he share similar characters that you aren't afraid to help people kind of gather your thoughts, launch some good ideas, and encourage people to take risks when needed. So Noah was a great interview. Glenn is a great friend. And like and subscribe to the podcast, This Is Investing. Mm. All right, jump over, have a listen to This Is Investing. My name's Glenn James. This guy is Nick Bradley. And we'll see you soon. Bye. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which we live and work and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to this podcast. If you are interested in furthering your education around money, your career or property, we have three books that might help. Check out Sort Your Money Out, Sort Your Career Out and Sort Your Property Out. Find these wherever good books are sold or via the link in the podcast show notes. 
This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Propriety Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Propriety Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.